the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Irreverent, over the top, and smart as a whip. This is The Rob Black Show. Let's talk retirement and getting you there. It is a funny concept that one day you will not work, and we have to prepare for that. Um, As I get older, I see more and more value in that statement. Preparing for retirement. One day I won't work. Um, yeah, I guess maybe when I was in my twenties, I was like, maybe I'll work till the day I die. And that was the the plan. That was the step one. Step two is die. Step one work. Step two is die. Um, that's not the right idea. Replacing your paycheck in retirement takes planning. What's really, really stressful about that is in the back of your head, you're probably saying something along the lines of, I could always make it up. I could always do better. I could always get a second job when you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s, and 50s. But once you do pull the trigger and retire, can you go back to work? Sometimes age discrimination comes in. Sometimes just being placed out of the market. I was talking with a tech guy yesterday about some issues with my website. And I go, you know, I used to build the stuff. I used to be able to pull JPEGs. I used to be able to, you know, do banners on websites and when you would ask for me to go get a Rob Black Your Money logo or a Cron4 logo, I could do it, but I can't do it anymore because I don't want to do it. And I haven't done it in such a long time that I, if I wanted to do it, I don't even know if I could do it without you doing it in half the time that I could do it. So I'm just going to hire you. That is fearful for me. Um, the idea of going back and, and being a tech guy, going back and starting a business. So my whole shtick started to change probably in my late 40s. I started thinking, what am I going to do for income and retirement? Social security is not going to be enough. Let's start there, okay? Um, if I go to ssa.gov, I could see that I'm slated to get about $24,000 a year in retirement, which would be okay if it was just me living in a mobile home that's paid for off the grid um, not paying taxes and like I, it would take quite a bit just to feed me and give me healthcare for $18,000 a year. That would be a little bit of a stretch. Maybe could I do it? Sure. Is that the basic lowest way I want to do it? No. So what's your approach to retirement income? Are you looking for growth? Are you looking for stability? Are you looking for liquidity? Liquidity is a a weird concept, right? Um, I've got a nice asset that is coming to me when I retire called my 401k. I've got a nice asset and a little bit of equity into a private company that when they come public, if they come public, is a pretty nice asset. But did you notice two of the things that I have are pretty heavily tied up? I've got a lot of shares of Apple that have a huge capital gains tax that pay an okay to low dividend. 
but I have to do a triggerable event and sell some. So I'm not very liquid, am I? Three of my biggest sources of wealth, my 401k is invested and I don't touch it till I retire. Then I have shares of Apple that have a huge capital gains that for me is kind of value growth tech, which growth tech is not in favor in 2022. Growth tech was totally in favor in 2021. Do I want to sell my value growth? Now, again, some other names you know, that you'd say are growthy. Maybe, see, I don't even think Google and Meta are all that growthy anymore. They're just large tech <clears throat> whose best growth days are very likely behind them. With that being said, are they still better than other investments? They very well could be. So I don't have a lot of liquidity. I don't have as much time as I used to think I did. You blink and your kids are teenagers, which basically means you go from midlife to later stages of life in a blink. Um, how near am I towards retirement? I'm still in the accumulation phase, but I've moved into the pre-retirement phase and I'm heading smack on for the retirement phase. So I'm in peak earning years. My objective is increasing my total portfolio right now through long-term investments that offer growth. As I head into pre-retirement, I'm looking for a little more balanced growth, a little more income. So healthcare and financials, especially in 2022 and a year of inflation and rising interest rates, healthcare and financials make a lot of sense. But so my pre-retirement phase is more balanced, which can make some sense to you. Like when you're in your 20s, your pre-marriage phase, you're probably, let's go out to Vegas. Let's drink all night long. I can do it. And you wake up to the beautiful eyes of your future wife. Then you move in that phase of, well, we can't drink like we used to. And well, I love you. Let's get married. And then you have kids and you go through the different phases, right? Same thing with retirement. Once in retirement, you start maximizing tax-efficient income while protecting against principal decline. That could move your portfolio heavily towards income-producing liquid assets like cash or bonds. Bonds aren't liquid, and bonds have been a very difficult investment in the last 20 years to get right. So those are the three phases, accumulation, pre-retirement, as you start taking your foot off the gas, and the retirement. The benefit of adopting a total return approach is the portfolio should outperform one that is heavily weighted towards income generation over a longer time frame. So you don't have to go pre-retirement. You don't have to go accumulation, pre-retirement, retirement. You don't have to say, I'm going to be growth, growth and income and income. It's, it doesn't have to evolve that way. There's buckets. There's a safety bucket, which some people would say is three years of your income set aside in stable investments, such as intermediate bonds, CDs, money markets. You can do the bond laddering where you buy a one-year bond, a two-year bond, a three-year bond. As the one-year bond hits month 12, you sell it and buy another three-year bond because your two-year bond just became a one-year bond and your three-year bond became a two-year bond. 
I think you can have a safety bucket for sure in retirement. You hear CFPs talk about it all the time on this show. I think you need an income bucket designed to generate retirement income while preserving some capital over a full market cycle. High quality dividend stocks, real estate investment trusts, high yield corporate bonds are all the kind of ideas that can generate income while also giving you a little bit of maybe stock buybacks, maybe a little bit of growth, um, albeit lighter. And then, so maybe in retirement, you will have your safe money, your emergency money. Then you have your income, which like I said, would probably be high quality dividend paying stocks, real estate investment trusts, high yield corporate bonds. But you would also have a growth bucket still where right now I'm in my pre-retire, I'm in my accumulation phase. I'm all growth. I got some cash, but I'm all growth. But as I grow older, I'm going to start replacing my um, all growth approach with some income. And as I grow older still, I'm going to add a safety bucket to it. And I'm, I'm going to have a lighter portion of growth, but I still expect to have growth. So I don't completely expect to turn everything off in retirement and say, give me income. I don't expect that. So it's a little bit of a formula. That's why I work with financial planners. I think it's a little bit of a formula based on you. That's why I think you should work with financial planners as you head towards retirement. A CFP is the best accreditation. They are fiduciaries. They have to look after your financial best interests. Strongly consider a CFP relationship if you have not. And start thinking about where are you in your retirement phase. I'm Rob Black. Honest, straightforward, and right to the point. The Rob Black Show. Invest in what is really important. Rob Black has partnered with EP Wealth Advisors. Are you concerned with financial planning, tax planning, managing your investments, or just planning your retirement? Rob Black has partnered with EP Wealth Advisors. With over $12 billion in assets under management and more than 80 financial professionals at the helm, EP has your financial future in mind. Learn more by visiting robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. So one of the things I like to do is I try to mix up a little bit of strategy with a little bit of financial headline news with a little bit of kind of sexy growth stocks, with a little bit of, you know, the behaviors that it takes to be successful. They all kind of work together. I am under, I'm not naive when I say this. I think if you're just counting on working and saving your paycheck, and working and spending your paycheck and paycheck, 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 and nothing else, you're going to get into trouble. Financially speaking, maybe not trouble. So that's a really brutal thing when I do this show. I traveled recently. And sometimes I travel to the mountains and sometimes I travel to vacation locations. And sometimes I travel for work. All the reasons you would travel. Have you ever noticed when you travel, you sometimes notice the way people are living and you go, huh? I did not think people in Hawaii would live like this because everything you see on the news is like, it's romantic. It's lovely. They're kissing on the beaches. They're surfing after school. And sometimes it just shocks you a little bit. So I, it's not lost on me that when I say things like, here's how I want to get to your retirement. I'm speaking to my idea of retirement, my image of it. And that can be a little frustrating. But I don't think paycheck to paycheck is going to get you 
how shall we say from 60 to 100 without some stress? I think you sign up for it by not supplementing your income, by not supplementing your social security because your social security is supplemental. There's a word in it, supplemental. It's supposed to add to, to help. It was originally designed for a worst case scenario, essentially of widows and orphans. Uh, when the breadwinner would go away in war. Now I'm oversimplifying that. I know, don't let that get in the way of a good story, but I am concerned on how people retire. I'm concerned about my radio producer. I'm concerned about my children. I am concerned about people that I've worked with in the past. There's a guy at Cron who just left uh, the station and he's moving to LA. I'm like, advancing your career, good for you. That's part of the formula. Um, but, and this is where it gets kind of like weird. <clears throat> the guy who just left Grod, probably making 60 to 80,000, working six hours, seven hours in the mornings, four o'clock to 10 o'clock in the morning kind of thing. That's not enough to live off. And that's in the Bay Area, that's going to get you paycheck to paycheck at most. A few years ago, I saw that $77,740 was the threshold for poverty for a family of four in San Jose. And if you go to Jacksonville, or let's say the city that's 10 miles outside of Jacksonville, Florida, or if you go to Atlanta and go to the city 65 miles outside of Atlanta, or you go to Chicago and go to a city that's 40 miles outside of Chicago, you'll find that we all live different lifestyles, especially in retirement. So again, my goal is to try to get us all there and to get us prepared for 60 to 100 income. And then my secondary goal after that, or even my tertiary goal is, <clears throat> do you want to leave any of it for your children? I had a very real conversation with a man who has a 17-year-old and a 15-year-old. I've got a 13 and 11. So anytime I see people with children ahead of me, I ask questions. Um, and he said, I'm really, really concerned. You know, they apply to 15 colleges. They get into two things have changed since we were kids, Rob. I'm like, yeah, I know. Um, and even then a college career doesn't necessarily guarantee you what it used to guarantee you. Most of the people, my generation have a college degree. No, no, no. Let me, let me see. Let me refine that statement. Of the people that I know with a college degree, very few are actually using it in their field, except for the people who had math and science degrees. People who got communication majors started off as a communication. No, no. They went into teaching or, oh, they're working at Visa. What, what, how is communication? Okay, I'll, I'll go with it. Back for the baby boomers, a college degree basically sets you up for life. Then you go to the Generation X and it gave you an opportunity. For the millennials and zillennials, it gives you a lot of debt. We know that. Math and science gives you high-paying jobs. We know that. I'm a little bit concerned for the longevity and the career arc of people without math and science degrees. And again, that's a pretty general statement. But what used to be like you can uh, major in you know business finance or business. I got an MBA in business. You can go into HR, you can go, like those jobs are disappearing aggressively. So I've got a lot of concerns. 
I hope you do as well in some way, shape, or form. Uh, I'm just talking it through with you. Dad to dad. Smart uncle to teenage kid. Whoever's listening. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Drop me a name of Robert Roblox Show. Robert Roblox Show. Com if you have any questions. A um, couple other things that I should probably hit on is taxes. There's taxes, there's insurance, there's investments, there's income, there's different things in money that you really got to start to master or at least have a high school education on. See how low my bar is for you? I don't think our society has enough education in money. Some of us know about homes, investments, retirement, taxes, personal finance, uh, business creation, being an entrepreneur, wealth creation. I don't think I would have ever got to the point that I was. No, no, I don't think I would ever got to the point that I'm at where until recently, I, I was I was saying things like, oh, I could retire. Oh, I could retire. My kids could retire on my money. Like, Then inflation hits. There's a little bit of market correction. You get a little bit nervous. I don't think I would ever have got to where I'm at if I didn't try to master wealth creation, running a business, tinkering with my personal finance on a regular basis, credit card points, 3% off here, budgets. Emergency funds, uh, tinkering with, like, I don't run heat or dryers during peak energy times to save money. Um, my taxes, my tax strategy, I'll be honest with you, it's not the best. I use an accountant at times. He's like, hey, do you want to do this? I'm like, sure. And in his head, he's like, I bet you didn't think about that, did you? But even learning about retirement made me a better person in my 20s and my 30s because I started studying the stuff with a basic high school approach only need. <sighs> Investing's easy. You can look at a 100-year chart of the stock market and you go, oh, I just got to get in. I'll mess it up if you start tinkering with individual stocks. No doubt about that. But all things considered, it's easy. If you look at a history... I'm Rob Black. It works. You can find me online at robblackshow.com. Don't miss an episode of The Rob Black Show. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Now's a good time to make sure your financial plan's doing what you want it to. Again, maybe this hour is dedicated to don't, don't plan on just working. You have to learn how to invest. You have to learn how to save. You have to learn how to retire. You have to learn about income and retirement. It's not a lot, though. Although I will say, once you have a lot of money, wealth, it makes sense not to make a mistake or do everything you can not to make a mistake. Just my opinion. Um, I may be too, I don't want to say close to it because that's not quite the right way of saying it. I'm happy and sad all at the same time that we've recently seen inflation hit the markets and hit our lifestyle and maybe even hit the midterm elections, right? Inflation, the higher cost of steak, the higher cost of corn, the higher cost, you get the idea, right? The higher cost to close. 
I took a week off, a little family vacation time. And I can tell you there was not a part of our society and our economy that I did not see that I've been talking about for the last year. Not enough labor to complete the job. Now, a year ago, about at this time, uh, a family member had a 80th birthday party and all the children and grandchildren rented an expensive hotel. You know the type. I think we all have expensive hotels and then we get to that hotel level and we go, oh, there's a level above us. But this was probably like a $500 a night Sonoma County wine country hotel. And about a year ago we went, and there was probably 15 to 20 of us and I'm okay waiting for a beer. I don't need it right now. But you could see there was tension all around the hotel. The restaurant was slow. The service was slow. The check-in was slow. The valet was slow because there wasn't enough people. So there was a labor shortage. Now you're hearing like this summer, we're supposed to ramp up flying, traveling during the summer, right? Some statistic like 86% of Americans take a summer vacation, about 40% to 45% fly. So when you hear things like in January of 2022, that airlines had massive problems getting people home, a little bit due to inclement weather, but crews getting sick with COVID, crews calling out. Um, you're seeing the airlines try to aggressively hire to fix this because they see there's a shortage of labor. And yeah, there's a lot of talk about wage inflation. But when you start mixing it all together, like on this vacation, I, had, I, I didn't have. <laughs> Let me correct that very quickly. I saw an $82 steak on a menu. And I come from middle class, lower middle class, I think is the right way to say it. Um, and again, depending on where you grew up and what you thought was middle class, it could all change. But $82 steak shocked me. 15 years ago, I was working in Cron, Cron TV, local television station. One of their biggest shows is a show called Barry Backroads. And they had this amazing staff. And through the years, it probably went from a staff of about 15 down to a staff of about four. And Doug McConnell, the host, was a, he's just a great Bay Area guy. He's a legend. Like you kind of think, oh, I bet he was camping once and killed a bear. He's that kind of mythical. But his staff was telling me like, oh, yeah, you know, when you see trips like uh, the Today Show goes to Australia or the Today Show goes to Hawaii, it's typically a paid vacation by the state of Hawaii or by the state of uh, Australia saying, come on down, bring your family, bring your uh, cameras, and let's, let's get some cool things done together, promote tourism. But you kind of get it. But he, So he kind of had a jaded view. He knows how the system works, why he was in Hawaii. So he goes to Hawaii. They, they shoot on, I think, two of the islands, and they, they had all these crazy cool locations. And I said, so how was it when he gets back? I said, that must be pretty cool to be paid to go on vacation because you get really tired of $40 steaks. I'm like, okay, let me process that. Okay, so basically he said, and this is no disrespect to Hawaiians. He said the food's crap, the locals. So he, has to, he feels like he has to eat at restaurants. And when you sit down at a restaurant, there's steak, there's a chicken meal, there's a fresh fish meal. It's like the steak was always 40 bucks. And I started thinking about that as I just filed it away in my memory. And I go to Hawaii and every restaurant that I saw the steaks for, not always $80, 
but the dinners were always about $80 for a drink, an entree, and an appetizer. Um, easily. It seems like that's the magical price point, $80 to $100 right now. So I was a little shocked, but you know, you go back and you go, that was 15 years ago that you said it was a $40 stock. And it basically inflation will cut the value aggressively over 15 years. And it's the same cow, not the same cow, but it's the same cut of meat. 15 years later, it's double the price. In the last four years, since I last traveled to Hawaii, the cost of the airline tickets gone up about $400 to about $800 round trip. I get it. Maybe I bought in the wrong month. Maybe I bought during a peak time, but I usually buy at the wrong month and I usually buy at a peak time. The Uber costs are higher. The rental cars cost more. The gasoline is six to $7 a gallon. Everything up 40 to 50 to 60%. Inflation's the boogeyman. Inflation's the devil. Because when I retire, I still want to go on the same vacations. But if I budget it for a $10,000 vacation for a family of four, that suddenly became a $15,000 vacation for a family of four. You can see that maybe my retirement numbers of $1 million created $40,000 a year of income is not going to be enough to keep up with inflation. So through the years, I've doubled that to $2 million, then $4 million. And then you know, after that, you're like, this is just an absurd amount of money because I come from middle class. But it's no longer an absurd amount of money. $4 million may not be enough if inflation stays out of control because that would pay me about $160,000 a year. And I, I'm telling you, one vacation. And I want to be the guy to go on vacation retirement. I want to be the guy to grow gracefully with my spouse. I want to be the guy to love my children and my grandchildren if that comes my way. Inflation's everywhere. Hotel costs, labor costs. Even in Hawaii, an area that very rarely changes. Um, there's one bartender who's been there for 15 years that I know of. <clears throat> And uh, he's still there, <laughs> you know, he said, yeah, we were sh shut down because it's a water bar and we couldn't work Is in a water bar. You have to like get close to people because they're screaming at you because you're in a cave kind of thing. And <clears throat> so he hasn't changed, but everything else has become more expensive. Well, his beers have become more expensive. His drinks have become more expensive. His bar tabs have become more expensive. And then there's a little, you know, tip shaming where I'm like, well, the guy did come to work. So I'm going to tip him a little bit more. Because if he didn't come to work, it would be a problem. So I'm seeing inflation everywhere. I hope you're seeing inflation everywhere. I know that sounds like a very random thing to say out loud, um, but I'll stand by it in the sense of it's good to learn. It's good to process. It doesn't feel good to go through it. I never, ever, never expect to go to Hawaii again and see a $40 stock. Maybe if we go through 10 years of like a nuclear winter, that's how bad the economy would have to get in my mind for prices to roll back that much. You've noticed it, right? Prices always seem to go up, but they never seem to come down. When I was a young man at 16, I was buying used cars for $200 to $400. Go try to do that now. I was probably getting family discounts and deals and stuff like that. 
but my first car, I think, was eighteen to nineteen thousand. You know, um, I remember my dad paid fourteen thousand. So when I was like twelve, I remember the price of a car was forty. I was like, "That's a lot of money." So that would have been probably nineteen eighty-one when I noticed that. I don't know. That seems to be my moment of financial wokeness. Now that car would be just an entry level car would be forty thousand. You get any upgrades on it? You're talking sixty, right? Inflation. Do you know what's actually really interesting in this conversation? And again, this is just this is if we're sitting in a bar, I'm now into beer number two or three. Um, one area where inflation isn't too sticky. I think it's sticky in car prices. I think it's it's not sticky in computer. You get more processing for less money. But they seem to be selling quite well. So there's some deflation in tech. There's some deflation commodities. You'll hear a commercial on the station at times like, what are you crazy? Oil's at $100 a barrel. Uh, lumber's up 80%. High prices tend to say, slow down there, Buck. Rob, slow down. You don't have to go on that vacation. You can redefine it. You can change it up a little bit. I think you get the idea where I'm going out with that. Commodities tend to. I wouldn't be surprised if we see $2.50 gas again. I think we're at $3.50 nationally. I wouldn't be surprised. But with that being said, uh, (laughs) what goes up really fast doesn't come down really quick, even in commodities. Inflation's a problem. Hopefully you picked up on that. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. Brought to you by EP Wealth. This is the Rob Black Show. We've had two negative months. We've had a negative first quarter. We are now in our fourth month. Not exactly shaping up to be a fun and happy, frilly, silly, happy market. It's a market that's dealing with inflation. Consumer price index reading is expected to show that March prices surged 8.4% year over year. For some reason, it never feels quite like that. It feels worse to me. So the expectations were for a horrible number. We got worse than that. We got 8.5%, slightly hotter than expected and the highest since 1981. Do yourself a favor and go back and listen to what you were listening to in 1981 in music. How old were you? Who was president? And you'll go, man, things have changed. Just take a look at who was in power in Russia in 1981 versus today. So consumer prices rose 8.5% of March, slightly hotter than expected. Some people are starting to think maybe inflation is peaking. We will start to see some peak but I don't think we'll see the peak until after summer when demand goes down and we go back to school, settle down for a long winter nap. And I don't think demand's going to go down until Russia, Ukraine kind of figure out their situation. Too much of the world's foods come from Ukraine and too much of the world's energy comes from Russia. It's a bonky thing to say, but you need energy to fire up economies. And uh, lack of energy is problematic. Multiple people shot in a New York City subway today. Several undetonated devices found. First things come to mind. I wonder if this was Russia. 
Where's Jack Bauer? At least 13 people were injured during the mayhem that unfolded in Brooklyn Sunset Park neighborhood this morning. It's not immediately unclear or it's not immediately clear how many victims were shot versus how many perps. Is that the right word? Police say they're looking for a man believed to be about five foot five, 180 pounds and wearing a gas mask who shot five people. Let's go with this story for a second. This is one of the reasons I tell you to save money. And I wish I could curse because I would say the word that is a dirty word for poop. Poop happens. And economic lives were ruined today. Financials hurt. Some people won't be able to go back to work. This may cause the subway station to raise prices to get more security. I don't know. There's economic ramifications due to what the heck just happened this morning. And they're not good ones. Some of the wounded passengers made their escape by jumping on a train. Sounds like a little bit of mayhem. Now, how does that translate into Wall Street? Wall Street's more watching the inflation numbers than they are the random act of violence, terrorism that we didn't see happening, but it happened. And basically, stocks rebounding is inflation at its highest levels since 1981. If I were to play rock, scissors, paper, it gets tougher and tougher for the stock market to react to terrorism. This is a weird statement. But go with me because I'm just using my, my 25 years in the industry as an example. Wall Street's pretty good at taking things in stride. Now, I'm, I'm not saying that all acts of terrorism are going to be dealt with smoothly and conveniently. Um, like it's happening this morning on the stock market. But I've seen a propensity for, oh yeah, we've been there, we've done that, we've seen that. The recent sell-off in stocks happened after two and a half bad months and then a two-week rally. And then we're sitting back and we're saying, we're going in earnings, we're seeing high inflation. Let's retest those bottoms. Let's make sure that Rob is really confident in owning his Apple because we could take it down to 168 and get him scared. Oh, he should have sold it at 180, he's going to say. And if it goes to 165, he's going to say, oh, maybe I should sell it now before it goes to 100 or zero. Wall Street has a way of like testing us twice, making sure that, yeah, we are still committed to staying in long term. What's interesting is a lot of the retail investors, if you take a look at Robinhood, stock's doing miserable right now. And, and the thought is it's doing terrible because speculators who were speculating like, oh, this is easy. Remember when I lost a friend last year? Cause she's like, oh, this is easy making money in stocks. And she was dealing with selling of a house and getting 20,000 extra dollars. I would guarantee you she's lost 50% of that. Even though the markets have lost 50%. So she's like, I'm done with it. So the people who speculated during COVID worked from home, got government money. They've probably lost. And wall street's kind of like saying, okay, Bitcoin, are you going to hold? Because Bitcoin's been a pretty speculative play. Um, high growth stocks uh, that aren't earning a lot of money, that have billion dollar valuations like an Airbnb. I still like the company, but it's a sell first mentality on that kind of name because they've got multiple billion dollar valuation and they're earning millions of dollars. The big tech companies like Google Alphabet, Facebook Meta, Apple, Microsoft, they're doing okay. 
but what's doing really well are the companies that have PEs of 15 to 20 and pay a dividend. What we would call the slow pokes, what we call the granny stocks, financials and healthcare, they're doing fine. But if you take a look at the year, you're like, oh, it's, we're dying out here. I think we're retesting. And if we hold, that's good. We're finding levels where people are saying, I won't sell at. Might be safe to start driving again soon. Following a downward trend in oil prices, average gasoline prices sink their lowest level in more than a month, $4.11 a gallon. The easing is likely to be a reaction to the White House's big release of crude reserves and lockdowns in China, reducing overall demand for fuel. But as long as Ukraine and Russia go on, and I, I don't know the ins and outs of Russia's oil to the level of certainty that I want to say statements, as long as it's going on, it's going to be a problem. What's going to really stink is when the Russia-Ukraine situation ends, we're going to be like, oh, that could have ended sooner. Don't know if it's going to be with Putin being assassinated. Don't know if it's going to be with a disastrous biochemical weapon. Anyhow, Big U-turn in the pandemic, aside from everything else in the labor markets, pandemic caused a massive spike in early retirement. A lot of people have health concerns who are 60, like, I don't want to go back to work. I could get COVID and die. And then you get people who are under 50 who are like, I I don't care about getting COVID. I'm I'm young. Again, generalization. But we saw healthcare concerns. We saw a jump in values of homes. We saw a general, uh, I've had enough of that vibe. We've seen about 2.6 million Americans uh, retire. Now, as the stimulus checks have dried up and employment has dried up and labor shortages persist, businesses are enticing workers back with more perks and more flexible work schedules. A lot of retirees in the last two years have said, you know what? It's not all that in a bucket of chicken. An ana- analysis of data of labor shows that 2.8% of workers who retired in January 2021 were back in the labor force a year later. So that's kind of interesting. Fluid. Fluid is what I would say. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. Irreverent, over the top, and smart as a whip. This is the Rob Black Show. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.